good to see everybody this morning, and I mean it's good to see everybody this morning that's here and, and able to come and wanting to come and willing to come and <clears throat> whatever else I can say about it. It's always good to see uh, everybody on Sunday morning, especially when we're worshiping the Lord together and reading His Word together. And uh, Thank you, David, for reminding everybody about our, our, our messages for the last couple of days, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It was, it was good. I liked it. We can hear it as many times as we need to. It helps me with what I'm about to say this morning. It was uh, the key to chapter 12, and as we've been studying, is that we are holy and living sacrifices. And it does, it does start with Jesus' example on the cross. So I do appreciate uh, your message, David, as it, tr- it helps us focus on that as we talk about what we're going to talk about today. Chapter 12, verses 3 to 8 this morning, as we continue our journey through chapter 12 of Romans and trying, really trying to not only learn <clears throat> uh, what God wants from us, but also what God wants to do for us and through us and really how we can go into the world and make disciples because that's what we're really after and that's what God wants, but we need to do it. We want to learn to do it in a way that Jesus would have us do it and do it the way he would do it. We're trying to be like Jesus, right? Y'all in on that? Amen? Yeah? Okay, some of y'all are sitting in different seats. It's throwing me off a little bit, but that's okay. I I need some adjustments sometimes, (laughs) but I'm just glad you're here. Look, I got a question. I got a quiz, a pop quiz. I'm going to give you the answer right up front. When I ask you this question, if the answer is yes, I want you to raise your hand. How many... How many of us struggle with pride? Everybody raise your hand. Everybody. If you're not raising your hand, you're struggling with pride. Just saying. And I don't mean that in an ugly way. It's not really, I mean, I I sometimes struggle to answer that question in my own self because I don't really want to struggle with pride. I don't even want to think that I do struggle with pride. Just like anybody else, but we have to understand what pridefulness is. Make sense? We all sin, right? We can all say amen to that because we all know we sin. But we sin because of pride. Because we think more of ourselves than we ought to. Because either somebody lied to us or some uh, enemy lied to us, you know, Satan, and his lies, the world and everything that it has coming at us, trying to get us to to be transformed by the world, right? Conformed to the world, but we need to be transformed as we talked about last week. By the renewing of our mind, we're changing our mind about the way we do things and why we do things. I think we really uh, should be looking at this as we're changing our mind. We're renewing our mind about the way that we look at ourselves and who we are. I mean, really, who do y'all think you are? Right? It's a valid question. You ever ask yourself, who do I think I am? You ever ask somebody else that question? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. God wants to know who do you think you are. He wants you to know who he thinks you are. And he wants what you think you are or who you think you are to be in line with who he thinks you are or knows you are. Make sense? That's where we're going today, hopefully. And I'm going to try to put it in, uh, get it out of the second gear here, and we're going to try to move through this because I want to make sure that uh, the point is made and that we don't uh, go over it so many times that we lose track of the point. I'm working hard on that, y'all. Verse 3, we'll start there this morning. 
Verse 3 of chapter 12 in Romans talks about this. For through the, gr the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of, of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, <clears throat> as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Lots of, lots of truth found in this particular verse for all of us. Uh, initially, Paul is saying, for through the grace given to me, he's, he's speaking as an apostle. <clears throat> he had just written 11 other chapters about the gospel, Jesus, and who he is, and, and grace, and mercy, and salvation, and sin, and how it all, how God solved the whole problem of sin. And now he's saying in verse chapter 12, uh, uh, verses 1 through however many verses, 21 verses, he's saying, okay, here's how you engage in all of that gospel. Here's how you live as one who lives like Christ. We start off, if we're going to get our minds transformed, transformed by the renewing of our mind, we're being changed. God is changing us, remember, because we're, we're changing the way we think about what we think is true or what reality is. <coughs> and we're learning something through this apostle one who is called by God to be an apostle. He's saying, I have the authority to teach you this, so take it on God's authority that this is how you should be. He says, I say to everyone among you, look at here, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. I'm not going to make you raise your hands anymore because it's between you and the Lord at this point. The questions that we have to ask is, how do I, how do I view myself? When I think about self, what do I think about? How do I think? Is it in the proper place? Is it accurate? D does it agree with what God says about me? This is a command given through Paul from God. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is a command that we are to think accurately about self. God doesn't want you to be misinformed about who you are. He doesn't want you to be misinformed about who, what, you, what Jesus died for. You know, Jesus went to the cross. He died his brutal death, and he gave up his life on the cross and was buried and then resurrected from the dead so that we could enter into this life we call Christian life, that we call the way, we call the faith, right? What's, so are we, are we looking at ourselves the way Jesus looked at us while he was on the cross? Are we looking at ourselves the way God sees us, even though there's a bunch of sin that he has to sort through to get to what he sees? Because if you didn't realize this, God sees you in a, in, a, in a total different way than anybody else in this world would ever see you, including self. That once I started wrapping my mind around that, it, set, it really did set me free from a lot of things. And, and, and once, we, once we get to the point where we can accept the fact that God sees us in a certain way that's totally different than we, we see ourselves, it helps us fall in line with his will that we studied in verse 2 of chapter 12. Because we're looking for his will, right? We're looking for his good and perfect will for our life. And if we're going to live in that good and perfect will by being transformed by the renewing of our minds, then we have to see what he sees the way he sees it and accept those things. 
And that can go either way, can't it? Because there, there, are, there are two kinds of places to be if you're out of sorts with who you really are. You can be up here, and you can think more of yourself than you ought. You can be full of pride about who you are and what you mean to this world, or even to God for that matter. Or you can be over here and think of yourself so far down in the dirt that you can't even accept God's forgiveness. You can't even accept what God really does think of you. Or, or why Jesus would even go to the cross for somebody like you. You see, this low self-esteem is not accurate either. Right? Because Jesus doesn't die for people because he doesn't see value in them. Hello? And we know from a lot of places in Scripture, but especially what's most, what's most known is John 3.16, is whoever would believe would receive God's grace. That means Jesus looks at every person. God sees every person ever created and sees value. Sees something special. And don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your neighbor and tell them they're special because that doesn't mean the same thing as what God says. Not always, right? I mean, I think my wife is pretty special. But I don't even see her the way God does. Right? She thinks I'm special too, but that's in a different way. But that's not way the way God sees it, right? We're, we're after what God is seeing in us, in, in self. Notice this whole verse is focused on us looking at self and not us looking at everybody else's self. Who am I? Who are you? Who do you think you are? Who do you believe that you are? Let's start off with just not thinking too much of ourselves. Let's not, it says, do not think more, more highly of yourself, himself, than you ought to. If you read it just generally, quickly, and just say, okay, God says he doesn't want us to be prideful and think we're somebody. But I don't know that that's ex- exactly true, right? Because we are somebody in Christ. Those of us who are saved, we are somebody. We're not, like, more important than anybody else, but we're, we're important, right? We're, we're, we're built up. Jesus brought us up out of the dirt and built us into what he died for us to be. The Spirit of God lives in us. That's pretty special, if you ask me, right? But, it, but if we get lost in this when we think we're better than or more important than or greater than other people because of those things, see? That's where, we, that's where the pride comes in and says, starts infiltrating our heart and, and we lose the transformation of our minds because we lose track of what God is saying and what God is showing us. So it doesn't say don't think of yourself as important or don't think of yourself as special or, or, or blessed or whatever the case. It just says don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. See, because God thinks highly of all of us. You agree with that? So we should equally think that as well. We should think of ourselves in that way. We're, we're so loved by God that he would send Jesus to the cross for us. He would go that far because he thinks we're that special. Isn't it great? I wish I could just say amen and let's all just go home because we just leave it there and just have a blessed day in that thought. But we have to keep, we have to look at it all. This says here, think 
think so as to have sound judgment, right? So as to have sound judgment as God has allotted each a measure of faith. So what is sound judgment? Uh, other versions use the word sober judgment. I like that word in this particular context because it helps me understand that if you're not sober, you're what? Drunk. I mean, generally, I mean, that's what people think about. If you're not sober, you're drunk. What does it mean to be drunk? It means that something else is influencing your mind to where it doesn't function properly. It doesn't see things accurately. It does not rationalize properly in a manner in which God created your mind to work. Your judgment is impaired. Right? We all understand what drunkenness is. And when he uses that word, in, in, or the translators use that word in this scripture, it's, it's saying that if we're going to have sober judgment, means that we can look at ourselves, and we can gain the information, and we can rationalize the information, and we can make an assessment and decisions based on what is there. And it would be accurate. And then we would accept it. God has created us with the ability to do that. But if there's anything else in the world, in your own heart, maybe even within the church sometimes, that will contaminate your sound judgment or your soberness, then you're not able to see what God is showing you or what God sees in you, what God knows about you, because you're your, your, your judgment is clouded, and you don't have, you're not able to obtain the facts. This was my life growing up. I, I didn't know who I was, and I didn't think the world cared about who I was. Just the way it was. I, I had very low so self-esteem all the way through school. I wouldn't talk to nobody. I wouldn't even shake hands with people because of just the way it was in my life. That's the way my life led me and it wasn't until I was saved and started reading the Bible and I was able to read through the word of God what God thinks about me and I had some decisions to make am I going to agree with God or am I going to just close this Bible and go on with my life and, re and, and reject everything that God says about me well the good thing for me is is I what I was reading about what God says about me is all the things that I wanted to be true about me. But I couldn't see it. See, this is the way we all are. This is the way we all go through life. We're searching for uh, who we are, where we belong, what's our, what's our purpose. We're searching for, for the answer to this question. We think, I thank the Lord that he's helped me find out who I am and see a different perspective than who I thought I was. Trouble is, some of that revelation was hard because some of it was bad. Right? Sometimes the Lord opens up his word and his spirit, the spirit comes in and says, okay, these things about you do not honor me. These things about you offend me, matter of fact. I don't like these things about you. It's not what I created you to be. It's not really what Jesus died for you to live in. So you need to Decide if that's who you're going to be or not. But that's not who I see when I look at you. That's how God talks to me through the word. And 
I think if we're paying attention, he'll show us all. We can all have sober judgment. We can all not think so too highly of ourselves. We can think the right amount about ourselves. We can think just what God knows about us and agree with that. Once we start getting in line with what God says we are or who God says we are, then we start living in verses 1 and 2 where we're living in holy sacrifices acceptable to God because our minds are being transformed by the truth about you, about me. Right? It's a battle, isn't it? Every person battles with pride. Every person. And I don't think it's a battle we ever overcome until we leave this world and we're in the presence of God. Because that's Satan's number one lie. And he's got millions and millions of ways to lie. The same lie, millions and millions of ways to tell you how great you can be. And how you don't need God to be somebody. I want to talk about this measure of faith really quickly. So we're thinking of ourselves not too highly, but we're, we're also uh, using sober judgment. So, so this, first of all, this, let, me, let me not skip this because this is important. I found this quote the other day. I don't, nobody knows. I don't know where it came from. This is humility because the opposite of pride is humility. Okay? So I think we're seeking humility. I think we're seeking what God says is humility. Humility is not thinking too highly of yourself, which agrees with what our scripture says, or too low of yourself. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. Hello? I would have, I would have like, the first part of that, I would have just been like, yeah, everybody knows that. But then that last part, not thinking of yourself at all. That's tough. That's really tough. Because if you think about it, if, unless I'm the only person, I think about self all day long. How I feel, uh, how God feels about me, the ministry that we're working on. Am I doing what the Lord has called me to do? Uh, is there any barbecue to, to be found? Yeah, I think about self all the time, y'all. It's like, it's like who we are. We're born thinking about self, aren't we? Everything we do and everything we are seems to be about self. So how do we get away from that so that we can be humble? It seems like an impossible challenge, right? And if we're going to try to be like Jesus, we have to see that his entire life was not about self, was it? Even though he walked around saying, I am the bread of life. I am the way, to, the way to the Father. There's no other way but through me. He talked about self all the time. Jesus did. But was he really talking about self? When he talked about self? All the time? Talking about self? No, he was talking about the kingdom of God. He was talking about the will of the Father. He was talking about the plan of God. He was talking about salvation. He was talking about you. When he's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way but through me. I'm the good shepherd. Those who love me will obey what I command. All the way through his teachings, he talks about self, but he's really talking about you. So why do I think about whether or not I'm working at my ministry well enough or good enough or what should I change or how do I improve? Why do I 
think about self when it comes to my spiritual walk with God? Why am I concerned about self when it comes to anything in life? Is it about me or is it about what God's trying to do through me for other people? See, that's why if you look at it, if you look at this, this, this statement here that's been made, that humility is not thinking of yourself at all, it, it could be an impossibility because it's impossible to not think about. I appreciate y'all thinking about yourself this morning, you know, combing your hair, brushing your teeth and making yourself presentable. That's important. But if we're going to be like Christ, self is all about others, isn't it? Our entire lives until we leave this world is to be about other people. To be about the business of the Lord, to be about the kingdom of God, to be about winning souls, to be about sacrificing, living sacrifices acceptable to God. Living sacrifices are laid at the feet of the Lord and says it's all yours, whatever you decide to do with it. Which means we got to get to verse three and say to ourselves, okay. Who am I then? If I'm all yours and I'm all in and I'm totally surrendered to you, right? Because I want to be a living sacrifice. I want you to transform my way of thinking about myself so that my life is in your will. Verse 2 of chapter 10. Yeah? So then it becomes possible, doesn't it? Then Then I'm freed up because I was starting to get a little tied up with this. How can I not think about self? How can I not talk about self? How can I not take care of self? It's all a matter of why I do those things. What's the end result? What's the gain? What's the, what's, the, what's the purpose behind it all? So he says with a measure of faith, right? This is a tricky, this can be tricky. He says God has allotted to each a measure of faith, right? This is what we do. We, we are thinking sober-mindedly, and we are not thinking too highly of ourselves or too low of ourselves. We're thinking in, in line with God's view of who we are and we're doing it right with the measure of faith that God has allotted to each of us this is not saving faith this is not the way this word is translated this this word this is the faith in Christ right we're living out the faith we're we're part of the body of Christ we are part of the church that's that's the that's what the word translated means in this context right so basically here's the best way i could here's the best way i could explain it to myself is this is he's saying think soberly of yourself don't think too highly of yourself get your mind right with what god sees in you because this is what jesus died for this is what it means to be in christ if we are truly in christ if we are truly having the Spirit of God living in us and revealing truth to us through His active presence in our life and the Word of God, we certainly will see what God sees in us as far as who we really are. And, of course, we want the will of God to be true in our lives and we're pursuing the will of God, so, of course, we would accept that and adjust ourselves accordingly. And not See, I had to learn that I don't have the right to talk bad about myself. I don't have the right to look at myself as less than what God says I am because I belong to him. I'm his. I don't get to talk about God's people like that. You see? I don't get to talk about y'all 
in a negative way because y'all belong to God the same way. I don't get to treat y'all poorly because you belong to God. I can't treat myself poorly because I belong to God. And if I can see what God sees about who I am, and if you can see what God sees about who you are, then we will adjust how we treat ourselves appropriately and how we deal with ourselves appropriately. And we will keep ourselves in line so that we don't fall into prideful living. Now we get into verse 4 and 5. So now we know who you are, right? I hope, I hope that you think who, I think, I hope that who you think you are is who God thinks you are. That's what I hope. That's my prayer for you today. Right? Because God, what, who God thinks you are is never going to change. So if there's, a, if there's a discrepancy between what, who you think you are and who God says you are, then guess who gets, has to make the adjustment? Verse 4 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So this is going to take us to the, okay, now we know who we are, right? The real me. Would the real you please stand up, right? Where do we belong? Okay, I get it. I'm God. I'm what he says I am. I believe it. I'm in. Let's do it. Okay, but what, where do I go? What do I, where do I belong? What, what, what is God doing with this? And this is the answer. In verse four, 4, he's like, look, there's many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. He's describing, this is not the first time he's described the Christian life this way or the body of Christ this way. He's saying, look, just like the human body, there's many different members of that, many different parts of that. And they all do different things w- with different purposes. And none of them can do what something else should do. Make sense? Not usually. I mean, I'm, I'm a person, I'm like extremely right-handed. There is such a thing. I can like barely do anything with my left hand. It's just ridiculous. If I had to try to do stuff with my left hand, it's just like I feel like I'm in the third grade again. Like, I can't even button my shirt. I don't know what's going on. Some people are, can do either or. They're just talented that way. Some people are left-handed. We'll pray for them. Right? <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just messing. <laughs> There's a purpose. There's a purpose. Right? In all of this. Trust me. There's a purpose in all of this. You see with your eyes, you hear with your ears, you walk with your feet, you speak with your tongue. This is the way God creates us. And the church, the body of Christ, we're the same way, y'all. Think about every congregation around the world. It's not random that people just showed up at all these different churches to go to church and worship and serve. You ever think about that? God's involved in every bit of that. He knows who you are. He knows what he's called you to do what he created you to do and he knows exactly where he needs you to be for that purpose every one of us is a tool in God's toolbox and he doesn't create tools without a purpose or a need amen so you have to look at we have to look at ourselves as like okay if that's true then I'm getting in line to see where I belong where does God want me to be where do I serve well first we we know that we're part of the body of Christ 
all right? And I'm going to try not to get, uh, change the mood here, but I believe that the, our, our live stream is, is something that God used to bless us with and bless others with, but it is not intended to replace what God is doing here at the church. And it never will be intended to use that way. There's a lot of people who cannot physically come here and serve with us in any which way, Sunday morning or Wednesday night or any other day during the week. So the live stream is a blessing to them because they can get included in what's going on. And they can receive from the Lord in that way. But it is not intended and it is not meant for us to dismiss the fellowship from one another. Because God created us to be together. I can't just leave, I can't just leave my arms at the house. I just, that's, that's what it's like. <laughs> There's many members and they all have different purposes, but the body does one thing. It glorifies God. It goes into the world and it makes disciples. It loves people and it loves God. The whole body of Christ does that. And once we figure out who self is, according to God, then we just ask God, okay, where does self belong? And I'm never going to tell a person that you belong in this congregation because that's between you and the Lord. But I will, I will tell a person you belong in some congregation somewhere. You can't just sit at home and be the church by yourself. That's like a clipped toenail on the floor. Totally useless. <laughs> I'm not really trying to be ugly. It's just the truth, y'all. And we, we spend so much time we, in general, people, society, we spend so much time trying to dismiss God's way from the, our lives and still have Christ, that, and it doesn't work. It's not, that's not the way it works. And we're in danger. He wants us to know who we are and to know where we belong because he wants us to be useful to him. He wants us to do what he created us to do. He sent Jesus to fix what we broke so that we can go do what he created us to do. And let me tell you something, I don't think I'm the greatest preacher in the world. And, if, and if, if my preaching relied on what I think about my preaching, I'd have quit a long time ago. It has to do with what God said. Right? Because I believe I could preach the worst sermon in the world and God could still use it to touch somebody's life. All I got to do is keep showing up. And keep being willing until he tells me to stop doing it. And I ain't even looking for that because I know who I am. I know who he's called me to be. I know what he saved me from. I know what he, he pulled me out of a mess, y'all. And I thought when I was truck driving, he pulled me out of a mess just so I could be happy and go to heaven. But no. I'm standing here preaching to y'all. I was happy being a truck driver, y'all. <laughs> I love being a truck driver. I was, probably, I was pretty good at it. And he's like, that's not what I created you to do, though. Okay. Here we are. Where are you? What's he using you for? What's on your heart? What's, what passions do you have in your heart for other folks, for the church, for the body of Christ, for the world? What, what, what is welling up in you? What is the Spirit of God stirring up in you that you, you keep putting it down, but, but God keeps bringing it to you? And you keep saying to yourself, I, I, I'm not comfortable doing that. It's not my thing. 
God tells you what your thing is. I had long hair, y'all. <laughs> Did y'all know that? My hair was down on my shoulders when I was cutting that. Some, some worship minister's wife used to cut my hair, and she threatened to cut it every time. She finally got her way. She finally, I finally let her cut it. Lost all my power. <laughs> my mind was being transformed, y'all. I wasn't the way I used to be. I had to move into what God had for me, right? I'm not against people that have long hair. I just wanted to be a part of the body of Christ. I saw something greater than me, and I just wanted to be a part of it. Little did I know that it was, when you're part of the body of Christ, you're part of something way bigger than you can even imagine. And if we just sit in our pews or if we just kind of come every now and then or we just get disconnected thinking we don't need the church or we don't need the body of Christ, it's like a severed limb. I'm only moving my fingers because it's still connected to my body, which is connected to the heart that pumps blood into it, that allows me to move the muscles with this brain. If they're disconnected, they stop working. If they're not connected to what gives it life, then they'll die. So we're, 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 look, it says, it's what I say. Okay, so we're, we're many members in one body. All the members do not have the same function. We don't all do the same thing. It says we are, we who are many, there's lots of us around the world, but we're all one. We have missionaries right now. Let me tell you all something. We have a missionary in India that we're supposed to be supporting. And there's something going on over there that needs our prayers. So it's so, it's such, it's so stressful for them, they can't even tell us what it is for fear of getting themselves in trouble. So pray for the India mission right now. That's the body of Christ, y'all. That's part of us. They are part of us. We're part of them. We're all part of what Christ is in the body of Christ. It's important. It also says individu and individually we're members of one another. I need you. And you need me. And because you need me, I'm going to pray for you. And because I need you, you should pray for me. Right? We need each other, y'all. This is why you can't just sit at the house and every now and then get uh, some scripture text and call that your Bible study. It's fine to do that, but that can't be all of your life in Christ. You got to be part of the body. You got to be connected. You got to be one with Jesus. You got to be one with the body of Christ the believers, if you're going to be a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. If you're going to have your mind transformed by the truth of God's word and, and flee from the conforming of the world. Because the world says just stay home. God's not, church isn't important. The world even tell you that you can go to other religions to find God. In fact, the world will tell you that there is no truth. The world will tell you to do whatever it is you want to do, and it'll be fine. You can be the king of your life. Matter of fact, there's nothing wrong with swelling up with pride. Everybody's doing it, y'all. There it is. We're members, we, we need one another. Where do we belong? 
Where do I belong? Right now, I'm confident, 100% confident, I belong right here, serving with y'all. My question is, do y'all know that you belong right here, serving with us? Do people in this community know that they belong right here, serving with us? That's, that's what we're after. All right. Let me, let me move a little quicker here. Let's go to verse 6 and 8 together. Since we have gifts that uh, differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Let's just stop right there. Since we have gifts, God has created us specifically with gifts, right? You're a, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a special tool. There's no one like you. Even if you're a twin and someone looks like you, there's, they're not exactly the same. There's gifts there. Spiritual gifts, talents, all the things that God's created, you're special. And here's what it says. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Paul doesn't say, you might think about doing something of that for the Lord. He doesn't say it that way. He says, this is what you're to do. You're to be involved. You're to take what God has created you to be and go do something for the kingdom with it. Right? This is why, this is why I can't just go back to truck driving whenever I feel like it. Because it's not always fun to preach. It's fun to preach most of the time, but it ain't always fun. It's challenging from time to time. It's challenging to do whatever it is you do for the kingdom from time to time. But you can't just say, oh, I'm done with this. I'm out. I'm out. Because that's not how to follow Jesus. That's not what Jesus did. And if we're trying to be like Jesus, then we go all the way and we carry our cross the way he did. We're all in. We're living sacrifices. Living sacrifices means whatever it takes to be honoring God. We exercise whatever God. If you don't know what your gifts are, then let's do a study. Let's figure it out together. Right? First place to start is what are you passionate about? What do you love to do? What are you good at in the, what the church needs? You good at serving people? You good at loving people? You good at giving? You good at preaching? You good at teaching? Let me just let you know, I wasn't good at preaching or teaching when I started preaching and teaching. I wasn't good at it. I had to learn. So it's not just, it's too easy to dismiss things if we look at what we're capable of in our own flesh. See, it goes on and says, if it's prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, right? Do it, do it. it, Prophecy in this particular case is more about the preaching of God's word, not the foretelling of future. That's how it's described, right? So this would be, in my particular case, as a preacher, I need to do it according to my faith. What do I believe about the truth? And if I believe it, I should say it. And I should say it without compromise. But I should make sure that what I believe is true before I say it, right? Or, is, or he, he who exhorts is, 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 in his exhortation, he, he, he who gives with liberality, uh, if, you, if you're a giver, if you just have this need in your heart to give to folks and to be someone who fulfills needs, then you should do it freely and you should do it a lot because that's what God created you to do. By the way, just don't sit back and say, well, I don't have the gift of giving and then stick your hands back in your pocket. No, we all participate in these things. Some of us are gifted to do them more so than others. you're a leader if you're gifted to be a leader you should be diligent about that if you're a person who is good and gifted at showing mercy 
We need to do that with cheerfulness. We all should show mercy, right? But some people are just those kind of, I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen church leaders, uh, groups of, uh, the first church we were part of, I think there was like 14 elders at the time, and every one of them guys could do something well. And anytime there was an issue or a problem or something that had to be dealt with, they would sit in the room, the elders' boardroom, and they would sit around and talk about it, and then they would say to themselves, which one of us is the best person to go and deal with this? And it was always based on what they're gifted or, or called or talented to do. Some people were good at talking to folks, calming people down. Some people were good at leading others or, or encouraging others or getting people motivated. Some people were good at solving problems and so on. That's how the church works, right? We see needs in our community. We try to do things for the church in the community for, as, as the church. And we say to ourselves, hey, who do we have here that can make this happen? Who do we have here that's the best one to go ha- handle that family? To love that family. Right? It's based on who we are. Right? If I'm going to do something strenuous, like work on a car and try to break uh, a nut loose or something, I'm probably going to use my right hand. Because I know that's where the strength is. I just use my left hand to keep me from falling over. It's like a little kickstand or something. I just leave it there. Or it backs up the right hand. But I wouldn't start off with the left hand because the left hand doesn't have what the right hand has. The, the, that side of my brain doesn't even work that way. Sometimes in, in, in our own home, there's things that I ask my wife to go do because I know it would be a better chance for things to happen the way they should if she does it. Because she's gifted different. She has a way with people different than I do. Then there's other times when I'm pushing her behind me and I'm like, I'll handle this. Because I know that I, it, needs, it takes me to handle whatever the situation is. And she wouldn't do it the same way. We're all different, but we're the same, y'all. You see? We're all part of the same body of Christ. We're part of the same effort. We're part of the same blessing. We're part of the faith. Who are we? Who's, who are we here at Oak Grove? Here's some, here's, some, here's some things. Spiritual gifts have to do with our stewardship, right? Our responsibility as far, as far as we're part of the body of Christ. Our passion has to do with the purpose that God is using those tools for. What, what reason is God, what, why did give God give us those tools? Can, can, do you sing? Do you, do you write? Do you... Do you love people? Do you have compassion really easier than some other? Some people just don't know how to have compassion. It's not wrong. It's just not built that way, right? And other people will hug you right when you need their, that hug, right? You ever been in that position where you just needed a hug, but you're not going to tell nobody, but somebody comes up and hugs you anyway, and you're just like, I'm glad that person did that? Sometimes it's, in my life, it's been a stra- total stranger come up and just hug me, and I'm just like, that was weird, but I'll take it, right, because I needed it. I'm not saying go around hugging folks, but what I'm saying is Oak Grove Christian Church and every other congregation of believers around the world, we have a personality. This church does. You're a part of it. The personality of this congregation is made up of you and everybody else here. And if you're here and you're participating, then the personality of this church is what God wants it to be. If you're not here and you're not participating, then 
it's like it's like you ever you ever like take a nap on the couch and then you get up and your your whole arm is asleep and you're walking around like you <laughs> you won't move you can't do anything you kind of throw it up on the counter that's what it's like when not everybody's engaged in the church when not everybody who can be is engaged it's we're we're, we're disabled y'all because it's not what God sees when he looks at Oak Grove or any other congregation. When God looks at us, he sees what he intended to be put together here. And if we're going to endeavor to find God's will for this congregation and for the things that this church will do for the kingdom, we got to know who we are. You got to know who you are. I got to know who I am. And we have to agree with God about that. We have to be sober-minded. We can't think more of ourselves than we ought. But we shouldn't think less of ourselves than we ought. Amen? It's easy, isn't it? It's easy to fall into that. Individually, it's easy to fall into that trap either way. But as a church, here's what it looks like. When, When a church thinks too much of themselves... They, they, they want to know why the world don't come and repent and be like them because we're great because we're Christians. That's not the right attitude. We, I don't think we have that attitude. The other way is that we can't understand why the church won't grow. There's something wrong with us. I know that you've thought that. I've thought that. Not just here, everywhere. But we have to get to where, what does God see here? And when God sees a group of people that he brought together for his purposes, with his gifts, ready to do his service, why would we expect anything less than his blessing? Anything less than his will? We can't just check out because we don't understand. We have to have a sober assessment of what God sees if we're going to be successful in honoring him, right? I love y'all. I know God loves y'all. I think when God sees Oak Grove, he sees a group of people that Jesus died for. He sees people that are honestly wanting to serve him and wanting to lift him up, wanting people to get saved. That's what I think he sees. The question is, is do we all see that? Do we agree with God? And I just say, let's pray that God would help us get there. Amen. I love you and the Lord loves you. If you don't know the Lord, then you don't even see what God sees in you. And I'm just encouraging you to stand up and say, you know what, I'm just going to accept what God says. And I want to be saved. I want to find out who I am in Christ. And we're going to help you. If you're online, call me on the phone, come down here to church, whatever you got to do, find some believer to help you figure out what God says about you. Let's stand together and sing. You ready?